Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joy Harvest Fellowship's podcast out of Lima, Ohio. Today, Pastor Michael Wyckoff has a sermon entitled, The Secrets of the Kingdom. Let's join him as he gets underway. The Secret of the Kingdom. We've been uh, talking about the Secret of the Kingdom uh, for about three or four Sundays. And the Secret of the Kingdom is the title or code word I guess I'm using for a study on the parable of the sower. Why is this so important? Well, every message is important, but again, I want to say that when you study the parable of the sower, Jesus said, if you don't understand this message, this parable, how are you going to understand any parable? And when you study Mark chapter 4, where the parable of the sower is, or Luke chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 13, and you start dissecting the parable of the sower, you're going to find that this is indeed the master parable. This teaching talks about how the kingdom will happen in your life and how the kingdom will not happen in your life. You know, the word does not always work. The word doesn't always work. And he talks about when will it work and why, and he talks about when it won't work and why. And we've been studying that. You know, and then we say, well, the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? Because it's very important to understand what the kingdom is um, in the context of the parable of the sower. The kingdom of God, we could spend 80 weeks of messages on just that. Okay, but for the sake of discussion, the kingdom of God, of course, it's in heaven, the hereafter, the eternal, but the kingdom of God also is on earth. And in fact, Jesus, in his prayer, Matthew 6, 10, I believe, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it stands to reason, or it would follow, that the kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what's heaven like? Well, heaven is glory. Heaven is perfection. Heaven is salvation. You know, there's nobody unsaved in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven, right? No sickness, no confusion, no emotional dysfunction in heaven, you see. Well, he wants that on earth. He says, on earth as it is in heaven. That's probably... Uh, a very probably the most succinct definition of the kingdom you can find. Now, there's others, obviously, but for right now, we know that heaven on earth means a lot of different things. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then what did he do? He started teaching and preaching and healing. And in fact, there's scripture after scripture in the New Testament. We went through them at one point in time. Where uh, in the past, and I do have a I do have a handout on that where he basically uh, ties the kingdom of heaven to healings and miracles, his ministry basically. I think there's about six or seven uh, instances in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where he says, "Okay, the kingdom of God," and then right after that, he talks about that means healing, signs, and wonders. So that's what the kingdom of heaven is. So. The parable of the sower tells us how the kingdom of heaven not only will happen, 
but to what degree it will happen. Because remember in the parable of the sower, he says some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. There are degrees of power. There's degrees of success. There's degrees of blessing. There's degrees of the kingdom to be had. And what Jesus is doing here is giving us a checklist of reasons why people don't get saved. Reasons why people don't get healed. You know, we always say, well, why did that person get saved and that person didn't? Why did that person get healed and that other person did not? I don't know the specific reason, but they all fall under the checklist that he gives. He gave us three conditions, heart conditions, that will cause failure, prayer failure, faith failures, if you will. Now, we don't know all the specific reasons, but we know the general reasons, you see. So, you know, a lot of these things that happen aren't total mysteries. You know, well, you don't know why God chose this person. God, you know what? I don't want to get into a debate here on predestination or anything like that because I, I'm a, I'm a um, Calvinian. You know, Cal, you know, are you a Calvinist or are you an Arminian? I'm a Calvinian, you know. Just depends on what day you talk to me and what verse I last read. Okay, I can't, I can't just put myself in one area. But look, Jesus is coaching us in this parable. He's telling you, I want you to get the hundredfold results of the kingdom in, in the kingdom, and this is what you got to do. And so this is what we're studying. And I, I'll tell you, I don't know if there's any study probably more productive and more important and more overreaching, overarching than this, than this particular study. So he gave us four heart conditions. You know, we got the, the, the hard heart, the sidewalk, you know, you throw seed on the sidewalk, right? And what's the seed? Everybody can tell me what the seed is. What's the seed in the parable? The word, the word right, the word of God. And some seed falls on hard hearts, some seed falls on rocky hearts, and some seed falls on thorny hearts, and some seed falls on good hearts. And what I will do, if anybody, um, and I noticed that, uh, John, you gave Lynn this uh, handout. What this is here, and if anybody wants another copy, uh, I have a few more here. I didn't, uh, I, didn't make a, I didn't make a lot. I did hand them out before. What I did is I went through uh, Mark and uh, Matthew and Luke, and I color-coded them. And because if you read all three, you know, some, like Luke has something that Mark doesn't have, you know, and, and Matthew has something that Luke doesn't have, right? So what I did uh, is I took Mark. Mark has the longest. He has the most detail, right? But I, I threw in there stuff that Mark didn't say that came from Luke. So, and I, you can tell it's from Luke because it's green, okay? And then... Uh, there were some that, things that Matthew had, uh, both, by the way, both before and after the parable, uh, that, um, you know, that, that neither Luke nor Mark has. So I threw Matthew in, and that's blue, okay? So what you have on one sheet is everything, okay? So if anybody wants one um, for a study, I'll just, I'll just leave it right here up here for you. But this is, this is, this is the most important study, if you want to maximize not only your ability to receive all of what Jesus died on the cross for, number one, 
or to be able to minister the kingdom to others. This is a must. All right, what we're going to talk about today is distractions. Distractions, we'll choke the word. Now, he, we, um, Jesus explained the parable, and I, what I want to do is just read this very quickly, and then I want to, I want to zero in on the thorny heart, okay? Um, but just by way of review, let me just refresh you here with how Jesus uh, describes the teaching of the sower, the parable. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. That's the seed that's along the path. Or the side, I like to say the sidewalk, okay? Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. They believe for a while, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word and the time of testing, they quickly fall away. You know, I'm going to walk in love. You know, yeah, I had a great sermon from Mike Wyckoff about the love walk. And then Monday morning, that's when your boss or somebody, your relative or somebody just bites your head off and you lose your temper and you don't walk in love. Why? Because the devil doesn't want the seed of the word of God about love to germinate in you, right? I'm going to tithe now from now on. I haven't been tithing, so I'm going to tithe, you know. And the next day, the car has a problem, and you've got to spend all your reserves on the car. See, that's persecution and affliction arising, not to make you a better Christian, but to throw you off the word of God. That's from the devil, okay? And then we have... Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, is what we're going to talk about today. They hear the word, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, not wealth, but the deceitfulness of it. The deceitfulness of wealth, riches and pleasures, and the desires for other things which choke the word, making it unfruitful, and they do not mature. And then we have the seed on good soil, who stands for those uh, with a noble and good heart who hear the word. You have to hear the word. You're not saved until you hear the word, right? You've got to hear the word, understand it, accept it, retain it, because you can lose it. We leak, right? And by persevering, produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. Now, one thing I want to mention here is that um, the persevering aspect is so important, you know, and, and the thing is, and the reason why I mix these together, because the persevering isn't in the other renditions, but it's in Luke, you see. It's very important that we understand about persevering. And we talked about how the, the seed is the word of God, right? What's the ground stand for? The heart, the condition of the heart, because our hearts are the ground that the seed of the word of God are planted in. And Jesus is coaching us. He's coaching us on how to condition your heart. You see, He's telling you that your heart must be able to take that seed and have it germinate and grow because without a heart, 
that is receptive to the word of God, the word of God will not work. And therefore, the kingdom will not happen in your life. You see? So this is, um, this is good. And that's why in Proverbs 24, 23, we looked at this last week. He says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Watch your heart. Be diligent about watching your heart. Is it hard? Is it thorny? Is it rocky? You got to watch it. God's not going to watch it. You watch it. See, the varying factor is not the word. The word, you know, it's amazing that the farmer didn't say, well, I'm not going to sow it on hard soil. I'm just going to go over here to the fertile soil and plant the seed. No, that seed, the farmer in the parable, is he's just throwing it everywhere, okay? He doesn't, he doesn't care, you see. And that's the way it is in this world. The word is out there. The word is going out. And it, let's just take Christians. A lot of times, you know, I've sat in the pew and I will hear the word of God on one Sunday and be just so blessed, bless my socks off, you know. And then the next Sunday, well, that was, that was a great message, you know, but I didn't get that much, you know. But then I might hear that same message later and something hits me in that. Why didn't I pick it up when I was there? You see? See, it's your heart. It's your heart. I have to admit that um, for a while, and this is going back, oh, maybe when I was, when we first went to a Pentecostal church, Calvary Temple Assemblies of God in Waukegan, Illinois, and I was just on fire for the Word. I just, you know, I was just, I'd just been baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, and, and I was just, got all the great books, you know, faith and everything, and I was just like, just growing by leaps and bounds. And we had a pastor who was a dear man, but he was from, he was from what we would call the old school in many things, but a, a, a sweet man. And he wasn't much of a, a teacher, uh, at least so I thought. Uh, he was a preacher, but I, but I didn't think he, I, I, I just thought I knew more than he did. I, I know more than he does, you know. And um, <laughs> so, and, and, and there were some things that he said that just here and there, just minor things, I, well, that's not, that's not in Scripture. Where's that in the Bible and so forth? And I would just sit back there, Mr. Smug, because I knew everything, man. I'm, I'm the mighty, you know, the mighty scholar of the Bible, you know. I, I just know everything, right? Well, I come find out that on Wednesday, this man was an awesome teacher, he was good, and he knew a, a lot more. And I found out that I didn't know a lot of things that I thought I knew. And the other thing I found out about him, by the way, was that, you know, when you're up here preaching, that's a third of, to me, that's a third of what it is to run a church. I got on the, the deacon board eventually, some years later. Oh, my goodness, you know, I just sunk in my chair at the wisdom that poured out of that man's mouth and the, and the pastoral anointing that he had in his life. But the point I want to make was that when it came to the Sunday morning services, I just sat there saying, well, I know this. I've heard this. And I miss stuff. I would miss things. I can remember listening to... This is so disturbing. Um, but it's, but it, 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 this is meant to encourage you too because you, to be aware of this is so important. I remember listening to a CD series 
well, around 2008. I, there was like, oh, I don't know, eight or nine CDs. Great teaching, good stuff. Listen to it for about three or four months continually, okay? And then uh, you put it away in my, in my library, and then about oh, a couple years ago, I got it out again. And I listened to these, and I can remember, I remembered certain points from this. Yeah, yeah, and, and they helped me tremendously in my life. But then I would hear other stuff that's like, I'd hear something just stupendously awesome in terms of revelation in this, in this series. Totally forgot. I, I had no recollection at all of his teaching this thing. I'm like, I, I listened to this thing at least 10 times, 15 times back in 2008. It just, it didn't matter. It just totally escaped me. I'm like, oh, this is awesome stuff, okay? <laughs> there were things that I remembered, you know, that I knew, but it just kind of forgot. It just kind of got put in the back burner. But there were certain things that I don't remember at all. And it bothered me. It says, why didn't I pick that up? It's the heart. You've got to really guard your heart. And in fact, in another message, he, ta he talks about watch what you hear, watch how you listen for the measure that you use, we measure to you. He says, watch out, be real careful when you're sitting in church or you're reading the Bible or you're watching TV or you're looking at a YouTube video of somebody, be real careful what your attitude is. Because I was sitting out there in Calvary Town saying, oh, I know all this, you know, or, or, I'll have to admit, also, this is con pastor confession time. I would, you know, even up to before moving here, you know, in recent years, I'd sit out there thinking, oh, who are the Bengals playing today? I mean, you know, seriously, I'd be sitting in there and, and you know, pastor's teaching, and I'm thinking about the Bengals or what, you know, what's for lunch. You know, sometimes, and I've, I, even, you know, here through the years, even here, but I can remember where one person will just be drinking up what I'm saying, you know. And, and I would, of course, we all, when we teach and when we preach, hey, man, what I got is just so good. It's always good, right? But then you'll see you know, someone looking at their watch or, you know, they're, you know they're not listening, okay? One person's soaking it up and they come up, oh, that's great. I never knew that. Oh, that's just so wonderful. That's, that's great. You know, and the next person could care less. You see, it, we just have to watch our heart. What's the varying factor in kingdom things happening in your life? Is it the word? No. The word causes it to happen. The varying factor, the variable is your heart. And there are areas where we're good. Our heart is open and receptive. But there are other areas where your heart can be very hard. You know, when it came to things like finances, I would hear um, things, you know, and, and there were some things that I just fought. I, I, you know, when, especially when we had tough times. We had some tough times about 10, 15 years ago, real tough. And there were just things I just didn't want to hear. Okay. 
when it came to healing, baby, I was there listening, and you know, I would I would meditate on the word of God and healing and get healing. I, I had success in that area. And my kids, really, none of my kids really had, I mean, you know, yeah, we had our we had chicken pox once run through, but you know, all of them and everything. But but basically our kids uh, <laughs> compared to their kids anyway are pretty pretty healthy, right? But that was an area of strength with me. Okay? In the area of finances, I struggled. All right? And we all have our areas of strength and weakness. Look at your heart in those areas. I can go back now. I can look back and see that my heart was hard. I had an attitude about certain areas. And there were certain areas where we were attacked more. And, and it, it, but again, all this to say, it's your heart. And you can be strong here and weak over here. It's the heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flows the springs or the issues of life. And the Hebrew word there for springs or issues, you look that up in Strong's, it's boundaries. I think I mentioned this last time. You know, when you have ad nauseum, you know, Dan's boundaries were to this river and to this mountain range, and Asher, the tribe of Asher, they had their boundaries from here. That same Hebrew word is what's used there. So you're limited, your boundaries, you'll only go as far as your heart allows it to. And you have to condition your heart to be that which will receive the hundredfold. And Jesus coaches us in this, and I want to cover this in the next couple, three weeks more. So I hope you don't get tired of this topic, because this is an important one, all right? Um, so let us look a little bit here um, at the distractions. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping the, uh, the path, I'm skipping the rocky soil, I'm jumping to the distractions or the, to the thorny soil because it's the Holy Spirit said to do that, so I'm going to do that. Still others like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, okay, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, riches and pleasures, and the desires for other things which choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, here, uh, let me give you a good example. Peter, they're in the storm, and they see Jesus walking on the water. And they, oh, my gosh, oh, Jesus, oh, it's a ghost. And he goes, fear not, it is I. And what did Peter say? Lord, if it is you, bid me to step out of the boat, right? And the word of God said, come. Now, we have to hand it to Peter. He got out of the boat. Amen. A lot of times I don't get out of the boat, Okay. Peter got out of the boat. Kudos to Peter, all right? We can make fun of Peter a lot. But notice what happened next. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to think, he cried out, Lord, save me. What happened? He's walking on water, okay? Yeah, man, hallelujah. And he started what? He got knocked off. See? He caught his eyes off of what Jesus just said. He, Jesus said, come. Jesus didn't say, come out and sink. He said, come. And he came. Okay? So he started well. You know, we all start well. Like, you know, when you plant something in, in an area where there's, you know, thistles and thorns, right? The plant comes up, but it doesn't make it. It, it starts getting choked. I have a sister-in-law who is a who has a, she's a avid horticulturalist professionally, okay? She has a, um, she lives in Seattle, and um, 
so she's um, she's been growing a, a garden. You know, they have these community gardens all over Seattle. And uh, so her garden, I think her garden is probably about as big as this room, maybe bigger, okay? When we were out there a few years ago, and she gave me the tour, she just just go on and on and on about this plant and that plant and, you know, why it's so beautiful and what the strengths and weaknesses of them all are. But anyway, when I was teaching on this a few years ago, I called her up. I said, you know, I said, Carol, talk to me. Talk to me about, you know, uh, this parable. And, and she was familiar with it. Uh, they go to the Episcopal Church, and they, they, uh, they're, they're pretty devout people. I'm not sure if she's saved yet or not. But anyway, she was very gracious and... You know, I said, talk to me about, uh, you know, the seed. Why, why doesn't a seed grow, you know, on hard soil? I mean, why doesn't it just go down? And she talked about the rocky soil and how, you know, moisture doesn't stick, you know, and so forth, and why it'll, it'll still grow, but, it, but if it doesn't have the water, it'll die out. But one of the things she said was um, that uh, and the, when it comes to thorns and weeds, they, they will become, let's say they become well-established in a particular area of her garden, right? It affects the good plants negatively by competing with the good plants for the moisture and for the nutrients in the soil. See? Uh, and the key words I remember, because I took notes when she was talking, was well-established. When you have well-established thorns and thistles and weeds, okay, uh, your plants aren't going to not have a good chance of ever maturing. And then the other word was compete, okay, key word. You know, if we're carried away by the lust of other things, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, they'll choke the word. Your crop will not develop. Your plants won't grow. And, you know, the kingdom results produced from the seed of God's word will not happen in your life because of legitimate things. It's not sins. It's not, you know, immorality that wrecks us. He's talking about good things. How about this? I'm going to name a few things, and I want you to bear with me, all right? Uh, but how about this? You know, they said the baby boomers of all the age groups. You know, you have the Gen X, you know, they're what? They're now their late 30s and I forget what it is, what years they are. Then you have the millennial, you know, the millennials, okay? Some of us have kids that are millennials, right? And then you have the, um, what's, what's the ones before the generation? What, what are they called now? They have a new word for the, now there's a younger group now that the economists are now looking at. What's, what's their name? Not generation Y, but anyway, but they're starting to, they're graduating from college now, and they're different from the millennials and their buying habits and everything, so now they're a particular group. All right, but anyway, but guess which of all the layers uses this the most? It's the baby boomers more than the millennials. Not by much more, but, but statistically a, a few percentage points higher. I'm going to tell you something, people. Your job... Is your job a sin? No. But does your, does your job, like it has with me at times, you know, just taking me away from God? Well, no, it doesn't take me away from God in the sense that I become unsaved or that I lose my devotion to Him or even blessings. But I'm telling you, 
uh, a job, the internet, Christmas, smartphones, kids, church, TV. I mean, there I can name a million things that'll rob you blind. Those are weeds and thorns. Those are the weeds and thorns that'll take you away from putting God's word first in your life and, and at least not becoming a monk in the monastery where you're just spending hours and hours and hours meditating on the word of God. But I'm telling you something, we have to have a culture of the word being first in our lives. And we all say this, oh yeah, the word's most important thing. And yes, you know, the word is truth and everything, but when it gets down to your day, and when it gets down to our time and our affections and our devotion, where truly is our affection and where is our devotion? It's not always on the Word of God. You know, I remember, um, anybody know Lester Summerall or remember him? Okay. Well, when he was a young man, he went over to Great Britain and uh, hung out with Smith Wigglesworth for a while. And uh, so he came back... Uh, he, he knocked on the door Smith's house, and Smith opened the door. This is very late in his life, and um, he had a, a Smith or a Lester Summerall had a little newspaper rolled in it under his arm, and Smith Wigglesworth says, "What's that?" And uh, he says, "Well, let's read the paper. You don't need that." He just said, basically, it was telling him, "That's one thing that'll distract you. You want to be a man. You know, you want to be another Smith Wigglesworth." You don't have time for that, is basically what he was saying. Um, social media. And I'm telling you, I'm struggling. I'm seeing this, okay? And there are certain things that are taking my time. And again, please, you know, you can go on the opposite extreme here, all right? And just be, you know, the opposite extreme is becoming a Trappist monk and, and going away and getting out of society and checking out and not talking to anybody, not having a good time, not being with your wife or your husband. I mean, okay, you know, <laughs> there, there is, there's two gutters in a bowling alley, all right? And, and we don't want to fall in one or the other. But I, I am talking about a culture here. Now, the natural mind, even the mind of casual believers, is hostile to the Word of God. We have been raised... In, a, in an environment, in a society that has a mindset that is hostile to the Word of God. And there's so many things in life that can keep God out of the picture. Um, natural thinking and, a, and an excessive influence of earthly things, I'm talking about Christians now, can restrict us from experiencing the miracles, the, the breakthroughs and other kingdom things. Now, we all do. I mean, even in our carnal state, God comes through and does things. But, you know, there are certain people that just get a hundredfold compared to my thirtyfold. And you look at those people, and they, are, they have a culture in their life of devotion to the Word, and they put the Word first place, and, and that's the center of their lives. Doesn't mean that you shut everything else out. Doesn't mean you can go to see a basketball on Friday night and have a good time. But we're just talking about priorities. You know, we get busy. Jesus was busy. But, you know, he got away often to pray, usually early in the morning. Now, now we can have a busy life, and there's sometimes I even said, well, you know, I don't have time, okay? i got to go on a business trip, and i got to catch a 7 a.m. flight, and, you know, I'm going to be with people at dinner. I mean, there, there, there are certain days that are just, you know, hopeless. 
But, you know, some of us and some people have a life of continual, continual activity that gets them away from the kingdom in this way. We start to miss the kingdom with a, I'm going to call it a busyness of heart. Okay? Uh, a busyness of heart. And there's a difference between that and just being busy. You can be busy without having a busyness of heart. Um, there's, there's just a way that you can take time out in the day and spend that time with the Lord on purpose. And there are times, there are certain scripture verses I really need, I want to zero in on, okay? And I said, I'm going to do it at least twice a day, right? And I will sit down and say, you know what? I am just egging to get going in my day because I want to get something done. I want to get this email out, you know, because that's on my mind. When I get up in the morning, my mind is like machine gun bullets are flying. You know, I got to do this, got to do that, you know? No, I'm going to read. You know, I'm going through the one-year Bible. I'm doing that again, okay? I did it for the first time last year, first time in about five or six years. I hadn't done it before. And I'm going to do it again. So I'm going to do that. Okay. It's not like, oh, yeah, I want to go and read the word. Yeah, hallelujah. Oh, no. And meditating on these scriptures. That's tedious. It is tedious to look at these same scriptures every day. But I'll tell you what, it always happens that the more I don't want to do it and force myself to do it, that's when God gives me some, boom, some big revelation that I didn't get from those scriptures yesterday. It's just like Sunday night services. I used to hate Sunday night service at the Assemblies of God Church because I'm home, I'm watching a football game, I don't want to get up and get the kids and go to church because that I had to usher on Sunday night and I had to get in a tie. And the last thing I wanted to do on Sunday night on a cold winter day or on a hot summer day is to go to... And I loved our church, I loved our pastor, even when I was excited about the Word. From a fleshly standpoint, I just didn't like Sunday night. And the, but it seemed like the... The more I forced myself to go, it seemed that's when God blessed the socks off of me. You know, the most powerful services, the, the best revelations in church came on those days when I just didn't want to go. That's kind of the way God works. You know, um, hearing from God is a kingdom thing. This is, this, this, this is talk, we're talking about the word producing fruit, all right? One of the fruits of the Word of God is being able to hear from God. And there are so many believers, so many of us, and I've had this through the years, we think, you know, I really just can't hear from God the way other people do. You know, this person hears this and God told me that, you know, and I'm, why am I not hearing this stuff? Why am I not having these experiences in the Lord? Why am I not uh, getting some of these, these things? But you know, well, let me say, first of all, a lot of times you are hearing from God. You just don't know it's from him. You know, he does speak through the still small voice, but a lot of times he talks to you through circumstances. Just ask Jonah, right? Jonah got a word from God. You're going to go to Nineveh. Here comes the fish, you know. That was a circumstance, and this fish barfed him out, and off he went running to Nineveh, Right? That God spoke to him that way, all right? But um, I heard one pastor, I think it was Bill Johnson, he said, the problem is not our inability to hear his voice. The problem is our willingness to hear other voices. 
And other voices include opinions, ideologies, ideas, mindsets that our friends have, that some people in church have. Maybe we're on Facebook with the wrong people. Maybe we, we hang out with the wrong people. Uh, maybe we read the wrong book. You know, I'll tell you one thing. I, I've read some so-called Christian books that I, I really wish I hadn't read. It can mess you up. You've got to be careful. Um, but see, all these things, all these voices out there, they're all out there. And they're talking to you even without reading the bad book or hanging out with the wrong person, right? But they compete. Remember that word, compete? Remember how my sister-in-law says that these thorns and these other plants compete for the nutrients in the soil? These voices are competing for your attention and ultimately your affections. And if we meditate on them more, they will steal your heart. Now, does that mean you're going to become unsaved and go to hell? No, but you're going to be one of those people saying, you know, I don't hear from God as much anymore. Why aren't these things happening in my life? Why, why am I not getting results when I pray for people? Could it be that there's things in your life that are choking out the word? Could it be that there are some things in your affections that need to change? Romans 8.14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And I like what the Amplified said. Listen to this. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. See, there's a nuance there in that verse that says, you know what? You can allow yourself not to be led by the Spirit of God. And this is one way. But see, this principle applies not only just to hearing from God, but healing. Why am I not getting healed? I've been, I had this condition for, you know, six years, and, you know, and people say, well, I guess God doesn't want to heal me. Could it be? Could this be one of the reasons? This is one item, and it's not the only thing, but are you being pulled away? Are you being, is the life of the Word of God being sucked out of you? out of your heart by these other things, these things that are competing, competing for your affections. Watch out that you don't fertilize competing seed in the name of objectivity or being informed or being up on things. And like I said, those things out there are not sinful. I don't think social media is necessarily in and of itself sinful. Just like money. Money is Amoral, not immoral, amoral, you know, money, that means money is neither good nor bad. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. See, money can be a good thing. It could be your tithe. Money can be a bad thing. It can buy drugs. See, electricity is amoral. It's a good thing. It can heat your water heater so you have a warm shower in the morning. Or it can kill you if you, if you work on your wires and you know what you're doing. You're done. See? So we have to understand that good things can be bad things if misused and if they replace the Word of God. I think I have to, let me, let me just make one more point here. Worry. He says, okay, the deceitfulness of wealth, riches and pleasures, desires for other things. I think I kind of covered that a little bit. Let's talk about worries. Okay, he mentioned that first. I probably should have mentioned that first. The cares of this world are another pitfall in our heart, to our heart. 
Now, we have been trained to worry, either by example or precept, in the name of being responsible. You know, my mom, she worried. She worried about everything, okay? She was just worry, 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 worry. And you know what? That, that life, that could kill your life. That could kill you physically. Now, to some, the absence of an attitude of worry about, you know, your money or your kids, or your property, you know, that, well, that's an indicator of neglect and irresponsibility, <coughs> carelessness, you know, in character. That person just seems to be so happy-go-lucky. Well, I'm not, you know, that's an irresponsible person. Some people have that mindset. But that's not true. The Bible teaches us to be diligent, yes, but a worrier, no. There's a difference. You know, the wife of noble character in Proverbs 31 uh, you, you look at, it says that she works with eager hands, provides food for her family, buys and sells land, sets about her work vigorously, sees that her trading is profitable, makes linen garments and sells them, and when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet, her servants, um, you know, are, are taken care of, and laughs at the days to come. Laughs at the days to come. Worry is fear. And that's an open door to the enemy. We have not been given a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you know that all the modern translations say um, power, love, and self-control. You know, really. And we all tend to worry. We've got to control ourselves. That's, part of, that's one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Fear is the opposite of faith. What does not proceed from faith is sin, Romans 14, 23. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of your cares on him because he cares for you. And I don't, you know, I did a lot of altar ministry uh, through the years and, and people will come up and they will talk about this migraine or you know, this, you know, physical problems. And I, there were so many times I can remember uh, just either led by the Spirit or just asking him, are you worried about stuff? Oh, gosh, yeah, I'm behind in the bills and, you know, this, I'm worried about this, worried about that. There was just such a high incidence of worry, worried people and physical illness. And what I would do, I was, I would, I would read that scripture. I said, look, casting your cares. And I would like, I would get something like a Kleenex box and said, here, put it in your hands. And you'll say, okay, these are all your cares. And you know what casting is? You know, when you cast, oh, I cast, you know, you, you know, I'm not a fisherman, but, you know, that's, that's casting, right? Well, casting is actually throwing. And I would give them that thing, all right, here are all your cares. And, and I want you to say, now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I cast all my cares on you because you care for me. Right, and I'd throw it, okay? Now, and I'd say to the person, he has it. Don't run over there and grab that box and go back tonight because you're going to get thoughts that are going to say, now, what about your bills? What about this? you got this thing you got to get to do tomorrow. Your boss wants this report done by, you know, 5 o'clock tomorrow. Blah, 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 okay? And you've got to tell the devil, I have cast my care upon the Lord. He has the care. I do have the responsibility. I have to get that done. But the care of it is in the hands of the Lord, and I'm not going to take it back. See, that's what casting 
your care on the Lord is. And by the way, worry is meditation. Did you know that? It's meditation on the lies of the devil. That's what worry is. If you would meditate on the Word of God, your fear will go away. You see, most of the attacks of the enemy are in the mind, in the form of worry. Most of them. I mean, he, you know, he attacks with sickness. He does all sorts of things. But the biggest struggle we have is up here between the ears. We believe, and to the point where we will believe the lie. Oh, if you don't get that report done, you're going you're gonna to get fired because you already have two strikes against you because of what happened here, what happened here. And if you don't get that report done or whatever you're supposed to get done or you don't make your sales quota, whatever, you're going to get fired, okay? And you feel it in here, see? And that's spiritual warfare. And, the, and you counterattack in the spiritual warfare by saying, no, I cast down that thought because it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I it's a violent thing. I cast it down. I throw it down. I say, no, in the name of Jesus. And I have favor with the Lord. I am highly, I am blessed and highly favored, and you just give scriptures. That's what Jesus did. Right? What did Jesus do when he was tempted? He fought back with scriptures, you see. That's where our spiritual warfare takes place. In the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll close here. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, take no thought saying. You know, when are we gonna, what are we going to eat? You know, what are we going to wear? What are we going to have for dinner? You know, I always ask Blair, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? What are we going to have for dinner? My dad used to do that. Now I'm doing it. Just, just as soon as my parents... Lunch, Saturday lunch was a, an event, okay? And they traveled around the world a lot, and they, you know, they loved gourmet food and, you know, wine and cheese. They were that crowd, you know, and they, I love my parents, but they were big on food. And boy, I'll tell you, when Saturday lunch came, you know, 12 o'clock Saturday, 12 o'clock on the button, my dad would walk into the kitchen. Hey, it's lunchtime, you know, and he'd just be all happy. And... Within 10 minutes, the, all, the counter would be full of condiments, bread, you know, just a potpourri of stuff because my mom wanted one thing, I wanted another, and you know, one of my siblings there. I mean, it, it was just like a tornado had hit the place, you know. And then, you know, we'd, so we'd all have, I'd have, you know, maybe a hot dog, then some spaghetti. I would have about three or four or five things, and I was skinny. Well, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I was lucky because if I had jeans that made me, I would, anyway. So we'd, and it would be great. It was a great time, you know, and, and, and then we'd put everything away. I, of course, my mom would do all the cleaning up. I was spoiled rotten. I didn't have to do it. But then as soon as everything was done, and my dad would help, he'd say, what's for dinner? <laughs> he says the pagans, the heathen run after those things, right? And then he, what do he say? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added on to you. Amen. But you see, when, when Satan, he will bring seeds to your mind, you see. And you know, this, we talk about the secret of the kingdom. The secret of the kingdom is basically focus, meditating on the word of God, central focus. And especially when you're fighting something or an illness, you're meditating on healing scriptures. 
what you're doing is the more you concentrate and the more you meditate on the word of God, okay, the more seed, remember it says, you know, um, the measure you use shall be used to measure back to you. He's saying the more meditation you put in the word of God, the more the kingdom of God is going to happen to you. The more results you're going to get, the more crop you're going to get, see? Abide in me, my words abide in you. That's the secret of the kingdom. It's focus. It's focus. And Jesus is saying that that will make the kingdom happen in your life. Now, I'm jumping ahead. I'm going to get on that next week, right? I'm talking about the negative side. And one of them is the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, and worry. Those will choke the word. But you know, Satan has a secret. The secret of his kingdom. And you know what it is? For you to do the same thing with his lies. That's what he's doing. He's putting those lies into you to make you, do, to make you think about those things, to meditate on them. And you know what will happen? Those things will happen. The bad things. The sickness will continue. The disfavor will happen. The termination from the job and so forth. They're all based on seeds. When you agree with the liar, you empower the lie. And when you agree with the word of God, you empower the creator, the savior, to work in your life. Amen? Father, we just thank you so much. For your word, Lord, we know that Theologically, Lord, your word is life. We know that we're saved by your word. We know we're healed by your word. But Lord, we really have not been taught very much on how to apply your word in our lives, Father. And I thank you that you have given us this secret of the kingdom. He said the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom is given to you, but not to those on the outside. Well, Lord, we are insiders. And Father, as we continue this, I pray that you would give both to me and to this congregation, Father, the secrets, the secrets, the secrets that, you're, that you so much want to give us. If you would, we would just sit down and be quiet and listen to you, you know the secrets. Thank you, Jesus. We will know what they are, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We sense your love. We sense your power. We sense your beckoning us to get in on the secrets, to be insiders, not outsiders, be insiders. In the know, Father, the parables aren't just meaningless, but their life and they make the kingdom work. Oh God, I pray, I pray that you help me to teach this stuff, Father, um, correctly, succinctly, and accurately, Father. And let these people hear, let me hear too, Father. We just thank you, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you'd like more information on the church, please go to our website at www.joyharvest.org or you can look us up on Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.